Hello everyone and welcome. This is episode 31 of the Lion Learns to Write podcast, reclaiming narratives through identity, empowerment and creativity. And I am your host, Andre Bright. It is the 1st of April, which means it's April Fool's Day, but it is no joke. We are in quarantine. It is lockdown over here in UK and I'm here to bring you some good news because our guest today is Mariama Kamara, a socialpreneur from Sierra Leone, the gorgeous, beautiful, incredible human being who has done so much and who's built up a, a community interest company called Smiling Through Light. We talk about everything to do with business and what it's like to be a young woman in that kind of field with all kinds of barriers. Let's just put it that way. So sit back, relax and enjoy. <laughs> And we're recording. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, I have in the room to me a queen in the world. And um, I'm excited to have you here. We've only really had like the proper conversation where we went to, um, what was it, Tracks and Records? Yes. But um, this is an opportunity to get into a little deeper, into getting to know you. But before we go on, in case anyone doesn't know who you are, <laughs> could you introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Andrea. And it's really nice to be here. Um, so thank you for the invitation. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Maria Makamara. I'm the founder and director of Smiling Through Light. And yes, Mariama is a Muslim name. So on my dad's side, they're Muslim and my mom, they're Christian. And Mariama means gift from God. Hey, do you know what? I've got a name which is Ebola. Which is Yoruba from for God's gift. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's crazy. We got that connection already. already. <laughs> I'm telling you. So um, amazing. Welcome to the thank show. You. Thank and you. And I appreciate thank it because um, obviously smiling through light is is like an amazing initiative. Anyway, um, I remember when I first saw it, I just thought it was a genius idea. Oh. Um, in case they don't know, could you explain what that is? Yes. Um. So smiling through light is a social business. Um, so we focus on clean energy access. Um, our USP is that we work with a network of women to um, sell, to provide clean, reliable and sustainable energy through mm. the sales of solar products. So it's very simple. We work with women, we give them training on clean en energy technology, for example, the use of solar. So it's all about sustainability, um, energy, women's empowerment. And most importantly, creating jobs and income opportunities in Sierra Leone. Definitely. And one of the things that, again, that I was excited about is the concept of the revenue. Mm. Because a lot of these kind of things are often like done almost like charity. Exactly. Um, but I like the fact that it, as part of your business model, there's an opportunity for those you work with to in, like start their own franchise of what you're doing. Effectively. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Avon ladies in a way, but for like um, for solar, for solar <laughs> yeah. which was amazing, especially in Sierra Leone where we have all that light, but yeah. our electricity situation is dire. It's very bad. It's crazy. Yeah. Was that kind of why you went down that route, or? Um, I think well, for the company social business mm. way, yeah. I think for me it was on two aspects. So my background actually in international development. Mm. Um, so I used to work on 
HIV programs, um, policy and campaigning. So for me, when I started Smiling Through Light, I knew I'm not a big fan of the aid model in Africa. Mm. I actually don't believe in it. I don't think it works, not in every situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, if there's a big disaster, for example, when we had our mudslide Mm -hmm. or like Ebola, there's certain big things that happen when you definitely need support. But I think as something that's sustainable Mm. and on a long-term basis, it just doesn't help. Ultimately, if you really want people to get out of poverty, you need to create jobs for them. Mm. Um, And the aid model really focuses on making people much more dependent in terms of, you know, you'd come, you'd give training, you'd have funding for, I don't know, two, three years, Mm. the funding finishes, people then have to go back and start again while you're going through your own funding process of trying to bring um, different grants in. Um, And you'd find people after a while, they're just really, really tired. So Mm. I think for the continent and especially Sierra Leone, as we move forward, it's really thinking about innovative ideas, innovative businesses, businesses that's actually sustainable, businesses that can help people to be dependent. Um, Mm. So for me, that was a key thing because I could have easily just set it up to say, okay, let's raise like set up a charity Mm. get loads of solar lights out there and just give to people for free Mm -hmm. um which it's obviously that's a good thing but for me it's much more how we get jobs done and how we create jobs i think it's really important Sierra Leone, we have a really big youth population absolutely um they're all jobless they don't Mm. have jobs we've got you know amazing women Mm um and people are basically just fending Mm. fending getting up every day to basically survive um so but i think creating jobs for people is just quite key Mm -hmm. um they're much more independent um confident so we see that like in our own work and the work we do with all our agents um and also like our model is that our staff are all salary staff because i think also once we're now trying to contribute back Mm. to like Sierra Leone's economy is how we pay taxes, how we pay um, pensions and actually investing back into the country Mm -hmm. um, in obviously corporate ways and for you just to be really, really responsible. So for me, that was one key thing. I just knew and I've always known like the aid thing is fantastic, Mm. but I've been working in this sector for long. You go to Sierra Leone, all the NGOs in the world are there. They've been there for the last 20 years. Mm. Um, and it just it's just like, what's happening? Mm. Um, so for me, and I think for most diasporans now and people that I know that's got businesses, it's how you go back and create like a really great social business, yeah. which you're doing amazing stuff. You're creating jobs you're feeding back into the economy, but then you have really great social impact mm-hmm. that you can then yeah. also feed back on and actually talk about. Absolutely. And that's why I had you here. Because <laughs> like when, when I read all that kind of stuff, I was like, yo, this is dope. Yeah, because yeah. I had exactly the same thought. Like with Become, we're changing the whole way we run things because I guess the, we had a risk of going down that road, mm. which was exactly what we didn't want to do in the first place. Because I love what you said about um, aid being like, if you want people to get out of poverty, you have to give them basically the the ability to create revenue for for themselves. And I felt like 
in other countries you have aid but then they're not designed to stay (laughs) like you know so um like like you said you've got ngos and everything which which are still there after so many years and in other countries you usually have them in a position to give other people aid by that time yeah so um, i think Sierra Leone is actually become a part of our culture now mm. if people that actually regularly travel to Sierra Leone i'll just say just observe yeah just go and just watch and observe this is not stuff anybody actually needs to tell you mm. once you're there you actually see it the way they actually live as well um, and in the last few weeks, I've been saying to people, like, I think actually we're creating the jobs for, for mm. the NGOs. Because mm. obviously, if we get ourselves together, we work much more on really good businesses, yeah. do, collecting revenue, investing back. So there's no, there's no place for anyone to be coming to be helping yeah. Sierra Leoneans yeah. with a small population. So we're basically creating jobs for them so mm. we actually need to be responsible citizens absolutely and to take control of every single thing that's happening there mm-hmm. um, and that's the role you play i play obviously there's so many other people that's doing really amazing stuff yeah. that we're all playing in our own individual ways for sure and i wanted to ask you i know this is going into like the details of it but because it's so important for what we're talking about what is the actual how does the business model work so you mentioned um, you mainly work with women. Um, you've got these solar um, initiatives that you do, but how does it work in terms of? Because you mentioned them as you refer to them as staff. Yeah. For example, so how does that work? Um. So our business, well, our distribution model is quite simple. So if we roll back, the energy access problem is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. So globally, um, nearly one billion people do not actually have access wow. to electricity right. so it's a massive issue and in sub-saharan africa is 60 percent of the population hmm. so it's a big right. so we're actually in a continent of darkness yeah um darkness where people actually rely on things like kerosene right candles and these light chinese battery lights now mm-hmm. which are also very very bad for the environment yeah. because once people take the batteries out of course it's just scattered um, anyway. everywhere so globally we have a really big issue um there's been progress that's been made but there still needs to be a lot of work that needs to be done mm-hmm. if you then move it now to sierra leone with our population of 7 million only 13 mm-hmm. percent have access to electricity what um, in rural communities, it's less than 1%. So for us, it's a huge, huge problem. Um, And I know obviously the government, they're working really hard to sort out our grid, Bumbuna, to make that work. Um, But in the meantime, you definitely need businesses like this or enterprises where you can fit in. Because Mm -hmm. for me, ultimately, I want everyone to be able to wake up one day, just put their switch on and they have light, they're connected to the grid. Absolutely. because it's not happening and the things they're relying on now, kerosene, which is really bad for your health. Mm-hmm. We've worked with families, like when we started, when we we're doing like all our pilot studies, mm. we've done some work down in Crew Bay, which is a slum oh, in Freetown. Yeah. Mm. And like people were just telling you, they knew like the problems, but you know, there was not a solution to it. No other options, yeah. So it was just something that they've been used to. So in Sierra Leone, it's a really, really big issue for us. Um, mm-hmm. So our distribution model works that we buy solar product from different manufacturers throughout the world, okay. um, but they have to be um, IFC World Bank certified. So okay. there's a program called Lightning Africa, which yeah. basically tests all the solar products that's out in the market. Because mm. what you were finding before, when we started, 
all types of solar products were just going into the market. Right. And okay. then within like a month, they you know they would just break, and people will have to get new ones. They okay. were not um, durable, and um, so the World Bank then set up this program to be like we have to assess every product that goes on the market so that's the number the first thing that we do Mm. um source the best types who's doing really good and also looking at the price right and then we push the margins up okay so for example we'll get one of our products for like four dollars we'll sell it at 10. okay um so we'll push them up then our team in freetown they now start doing all our training all our admin work. So our head office basically looks after all our sales agents, okay. trains all of them, does a lot of all the operational stuff. Yeah. And then the agents now, they basically go out into the community. So mm-hmm. they are staff, they're all on our payroll. Right. They get a salary every month. Um, then we do like quarterly, we do like who's done the best sales. So okay. we give some incentives and benefits. And the agents go out into different communities and then they sell the different products that we sell. So currently okay. we're selling three different products and they're like entry market mm-hmm. solar lamps. So they're quite small, okay. um, but two of them have a lightning and also a mobile phone charging facility. Oh, so dope. they can do light and charge your phone. Okay. Um, and then you see the fourth part is like all the ripple benefits, which goes now yeah, into communities in terms of them saving mm-hmm. when before if they're paying on average people spend probably about eighty thousand leons which is like eighty dollars a month on mm. kerosene use so right. they having savings on that because they can then invest that into mm. I don't know, paying for the kids school fees right, extra right, classes right. if you're doing a business you can invest so yeah. there's um, definitely benefits there and um, their health it's much yeah. they're much more healthy mm-hmm. in terms of security having a lamp to go out and some of the market women that we see of business holders they can trade longer mm-hmm. um with the lamp so it's like a really simple four steps so we purchase yeah. buy the product we push our margins up then our team do all the training of all our agents yeah. the agents then go out into different communities they mm-hmm. sell the products then you then see the ripple effects and yeah. benefits within the communities that they're actually working in. Amazing. And I remember when you when we were talking about it before, it just seemed so scalable as well because it's something you're branching out. It's not just Sierra Leone, is it? Yeah. So Sierra Leone, obviously, they say you have to start at home. Amen. And it's my place. Mm-hmm. It's where I really, really love. No so place like it. We're starting in Sierra Leone, but definitely our aim is to take it throughout the continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but starting in Sierra Leone and probably like our neighboring countries, Liberia, Guinea, yeah. and then work your way through. Um, I always say like to myself and even all our staff, you can't walk before crawling. You know, you mm-hmm. have to learn. And um, and I think the last couple of years for us has really been learning about the market, yeah. customer, our customer base spending mm. um because like we said before it's not a charity so we need to understand that actually customers can afford this product yeah um definitely so it's a key thing for us so we actually sell the product so people can come to the shop and okay. buy a product and then we also give them on credit for right, two okay. months period so they'll put a deposit down get the product then they have two months uh-huh, for them to pay okay. Oh, that's so amazing. Good. Yeah, so separate because it it becomes quite a burden yeah. for um customers where 
most people would have jobs and Sierra Leone we have such a big informal sector mm. so lots of people are trading and doing yeah. lots of different things so it's something you have to take into consideration and I think that's the difference between like someone who's from the diaspora or from that country of origin mm. you go in because you look at all these different things where someone who wants to come and do a business just comes to basically have, make profit right get what they can do yeah two three four years they're out of the country and moving somewhere else yeah um so that's also why i'm always saying to people like we play such an important role and we should actually never forget that Mm. um and we're always going to be there (laughs) Mm. till the end so it's about now going and investing and making sure we work on different things like smiling through lights i always say it's one of those things I saw this problem, yeah, which normally happens with most businesses or people trying to go out and do something. It's like you being in a situation where you identify, oh God, how can something like this be happening? Mm-hmm. And then you try and think of a way of, okay, let me try and solve whatever right. the issue or the problem is. And um, in terms of that as well, because there's two things. For me, there's that point when, because a lot of people, I realize, the way I say it to people, I, I think most people are entrepreneurs, right? Mm. But they just don't know it because they don't recognize what an entrepreneur is. And all you're doing is solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Most people have an idea at some point in their lives, like this could be better or why didn't why doesn't this exist? Yeah. But the difference is that not everyone does something about it. Exactly. So in this case, which is why I think it's so dope, is that you've put everything where your mouth is basically and you've created this thing which not only benefits you but benefits the whole ecosystem that you're affecting and what I wanted to talk about as well is that mindset because a lot of people listening to this could be at a risk of thinking it's some kind of advertisement for your company but it's really not it's more the mindset because oh yeah a lot of there's a lot of people who want who want to do things but just don't think about the longevity of what they're doing Mm. and so um i had someone else on here who was like the the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah (laughs) so it's like you know people who genuinely want to make a difference um end up making things worse in the long run Mm. but um because they haven't thought about stuff like this so how long did it take you to kind of get to the stage where you had this idea, but then you came up with a solution. Was it something that kind of just landed on your head or was it trial and error? Was it like, yeah, how did it that took work? a long, I think to address before that, to address that, I, what I've learned the last couple of years is there, there type, you know, different types. There's the entrepreneur mm. because this is like very risky. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Passion. It's very frustrating. Yeah. You get be. really, really low days because you're literally working a lot on your own. Um, mm. So there are people who can do that. There are people who do like have multiple businesses because mm. they're actually so risk averse. They love yeah. going and taking that risk. And then there's other people who probably like to have the comfort of mm. having a nine to five. They're not at the end of the month. They're going to get a salary and they're good. True. And those people, it's not, they can also support. Mm. So I say to a lot of my friends who work and they've always supported me so much. They're always like, you know what, Mariam, kudos to you. Mm-hmm. We love you. But any campaign you've got going on, you know, I'm going to be there to support yeah. you if you need this. So we all play like that role. There's definitely the ones who would take that jump, who would go for it. Mm. And then you've got those who are really like comfortable. No, I'm really happy. I've studied. I want to be working, yeah. but I can still support you. And right. we need um, all of those. 
But in terms of like the journey that you were saying, it took ages. Mm, <laughs> it yeah. hasn't like been like easy. <laughs> um, so for me, the idea came in 2011. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, right. So it was 2011. I was in Sierra Leone doing some work with UNICEF and Restless Development. Um, so normally, obviously I was born in Sierra Leone. I left there when I was nine because right. of the war. So I moved here in 92. Um, when the war finished in 2004 was my first trip back and okay. since 2006 i've been going back and forth back and forth right, right like right. i'll either go for easter or christmas because i've always just been so connected to sierra leone it's yeah. somewhere i love i never wanted to move here i never wanted to move to the states i never had mm. those ideas as a kid growing up because yeah. everything in sierra leone was just so perfect and right so happy and i'm so yeah i've always just been so connected mm. but um in 2008, 9, DFID introduced something called Diaspora Volunteering. So they wanted people from the diaspora with different skills to go back on the continent and work on different projects. So I was I was in full-time work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working around the corner, actually, in Old Street. Okay. I had a really nice job. We were doing HIV programming. Mm-hmm. So we used to run loads of different campaigns, lobby African governments in terms of policy and UK government. So I done a couple of those trips. I went to Ghana in 2009. I went to Kenya. Then 2011, one came up for Sierra Leone. Right. Oh my God, Andre. <laughs> I was so happy. I was just like, like made yes, me. <laughs> I'm going. But then you have to negotiate with your workplace. So my boss had to be... And, but this particular trip was for three months, while the others okay. have been like six weeks, yeah. which is fine. My boss was like, you can't go for three months. And I was just like, please. Mm-hmm. So he actually said to me, I need to put a plan together how I'm going to be able to work and do the trip right. at the same time. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll commit to doing the trip during the day, like nine to five. Mm-hmm. Then in the evening, right. I'll check all my like work email and send all the stuff so after going back and forth they finally agreed and then i went um and it was a simple thing i went out there to write it was a sexual and reproductive health curriculum that we had to um, develop so we developed it with unicef and because of the literacy level in sierra leone we had to change all of it into role play yeah with resto it was like so much work oh my goodness it was so much work into role play into role plays yeah so like things around like puberty okay yeah, so yeah, restless yeah. development they they're like the international you should do stuff with them actually yeah. I, was, I was i've already written it down yeah. <laughs> like, right they're like okay. the big um international youth-led development agency right so they okay. work with under 25s but awesome. they teach them a lot through role plays so uh-huh, dancing okay. drumming skits amazing like loads of different things um so their head office is here but they have a country office in sierra leone mm. so i was working with them um so once we'd done that we basically started traveling around the whole country okay um and normally i'll just go and be in freetown but yeah. this time i was like in Bo, connor campia so many places and right. everywhere i went i just saw people using then a lot they were just using kerosene lamps right right and i was right. just thinking what is this mm. it's like the 21st century yeah i'm sure there's much more better options solutions and different things to do yeah so when we got back to freetown i then contacted comic relief because i knew they had some like domestic violence work they were doing with women in mm. Hubei. So i was like hey guys I okay this thing is just like on my mind. I need to just speak to a couple of the women. Yeah. So we just done like an informal 
focus group discussion. This is while you're in Freetown? Yeah. Right, so within that three-month period. All this stuff was getting dark. (laughs) Because it's the thing, I think sometimes, because for me, it was just such, it was so shocking. Right. That throughout the whole country, people would just be, and our typical household, about nine people that lived there, Mm. with one kerosene just there. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like such a visual thing that it was everywhere I was just going, I just kept thinking about it. Yeah. And so I went to Kube, spoke to the women, some of the community members, and they were just telling me everything, like... Mariama, every single day there's a fire there, someone's mm-hmm. candle gets knocked down, look, I'll blow my nose, it's thick black snot, you know, people's yeah. ceilings, just so smoky, yeah. um, and I was just like, wow, so my trip obviously finished, I came back to London, carried on with my work, but that visual stayed with, you, stayed yeah. with me every single place, so I remember I got a small notebook, um, if I would go to work or anywhere, I'll just be writing notes right. down. And just be like, okay, this is a really big problem. How do you actually solve something like this? I'm not an engineer. Mm. My background is not an engineering (laughs) at all. I don't know anything about solar technology Mm. or any single thing. So I took like a year researching, just reading who's doing what, what's the UN saying. And then coming up to 2015, they were changing like the Millennium Development Goals to the Sustainable Development Goals as we have now. Mm -hmm. And energy... It's a, it's a key goal now. Um, right. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I just done like loads of research, really trying to understand what was going on. I then got in contact with a company in Germany who were producing the lamps. Mm. And I got one of their founders, like every week we would Skype and he would teach okay. me about the technology and how the lamps were. Okay. Um, so, and then I enrolled myself um, I done like an accelerator program mm. at the school for social entrepreneurs, where you basically take an idea right. and bring it into reality. So I done that in May, twenty thirteen. I started it, right, and graduated February twenty fourteen. Um, so I finished it. I was like, okay, this is great. I've got this great business plan, but I'm in London, right. So I need to test it. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. it works. Um, so I approached PwC. So they funded me. And they then bought 200, the lamps we used to use before from this company in Germany, and they're called Little Sun. So they bought 200 of those, paid my fly and accommodation. And I went and done like really structured focus group discussions to really test, like for people to see the product, Mm. what do they think about it? We gave them for like a month, keep them, um, try it. And we also done stuff like giving members jars and pebbles and saying for the whole month just take this jar and the pebble just go and buy your we're not your life is not changing yeah take just live how you normally live but we just want to understand what's the economics behind this right so when you go and buy kerosene use the pebbles as leons when we come back at the end of the month we can then calculate how much how much you've spent um And in comparison, if you then invest into a solar, like if you buy one of these lamps, yeah. in the long term, how much savings um, you can you can have. So we've done like loads of work and obviously um, investment wise and the finances of it made much more sense for you to invest in a clean energy product. Mm. Um, in the midst of it all, when I got back to London, that's when all the Ebola stuff was hey, kicking off. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was right. like in Sierra Leone, I was just like when I got to London, all the media I was like, oh my goodness. So mm. my plan then was to approach PwC again, which I did, 
um, and said, I want to compare like Freetown with a rural community okay. to their test. Yes. And they were like, well, we can't because of every single thing that's happening. Right. We can't pay you for your trip. But we would continue to mentor you and they still mentor me up to now. They're on my board awesome. and kind of support your journey. When everything happens, we can see what we can do. Mm. So I'm like, okay, does that mean I stop? Um, then that, like, it's a no. And actually, I think through it all, I realized a lot of like my friends and people from the diaspora, like who mm. would go to Sierra Leone for holidays, where like me, we didn't know about this big issue. Because mm. if obviously, like most some of us, if the light goes up, we just put on generator. a generator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't know like there's this big wider issue. So then mm. I got on Facebook, I started talking about it. And I think what caught on to a lot of people is the narrative of me not saying I'm going to go and set up a charity. Because right. those years, things were now starting to change. Yeah. Um, so Chatham House, I remember 2015, they invited me to go and speak about how we can create jobs through these types of social businesses um, mm. instead of you know just going and giving all these products out. Then the UN from all my tweets because I was always complaining about the issue <laughs> and why isn't yeah. anything happening on the continent and why are we still in darkness and so much stuff oh my god I literally used to rant <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah. get so that voice out you need to get the voice out mm-hmm. we need to talk about it so they then contacted me um, so the UN contacted you yeah through Twitter come on through Twitter, just <laughs> like that one day um, their CEO sent me a private tweet she was like Oh, Mariama, we're actually um, at SmilingMK is my Twitter handle. Mm. We're setting up this program. We'd really love you to be a part of it. Like, your work's so amazing. And so I went to New York to speak and then joined this uh, program, which I'm still a part of. So mm. it's been long, like a long, since 2011. And yeah. also, Sierra Leone government was not interested in renewable energy at all. I, why am I not surprised? Yeah, it was <laughs> right. not like for them, it was just like, no, we're going to get Bumbuna up and running. Mm. So that was like their whole big focus. But thank God, in 2016, they signed what they call an energy compact agreement, which they then committed okay. to right. say we're going to take, like, put renewable energy as part of a lot of things. So mm. they committed to light like 1 million homes by 2020, and they set up the Renewable Energy Association of Sierra Leone, which is a membership association, mm. um, training and workshops. So that's been good. And that's, um, they removed all like tax mm. um, VAT on solar products coming into the country awesome. um, to create like a really good ecosystem. Yeah. So that's actually in Sierra Leone 2016 is what basically kicked off what they call our solar mm-hmm. um, evolution, revolution yeah um and basically started so it's been like a whole like five six years like a long time it wasn't like something that you know i just started and i don't know it just happened Mm. um it took ages and even all our key operations started in 2018 right 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 so get like we raised um, grants and funding to set up all our operation Mm. and now we're trying to just stay on our own two feet and push things forward so who's on your your team at the moment so it's not it's not just you is it no right (laughs) um so we legally we've got two entities okay so we're registered in the uk um, Mm and as a 
community interest company okay so CIC. CIC so our UK company is obviously I live in London and I travel to Sierra Leone at least four times a year come on so, that's what I'm aiming for <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so check on our team so here is where we fundraise strategize we have our board of um like well, board members here mm. and then we're registered also in Sierra Leone but in Sierra Leone oh, we've okay. been registered since 2016 right okay um so Sierra Leone it's like a subsidiary right okay and the uk company is like the so, parent company uh-huh. um and it's the model we're going to use as we move into other, other different countries, countries. Yeah. um so in sierra leone in freetown we have our head office that's got three staff so we mm-hmm. have a general manager there a project assistant and an administrative assistant okay um we have our first hub shop in lone south that's got Amazing. five staff okay um so we have an area sales manager for right. Lone South, and there you start seeing all the female agents right, coming okay. out. So there yeah. we've got three female um, agents, and we have a security officer there. Then our second hub is in Kamakue. Right. So okay. we have an area sales manager for Kamakue. That's used to present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we've got two female sales agents. Okay. There. We're finishing off in Tombo now. Mm. Um, which would have an area sales for Tombo and okay. three female agents. So our team in Sierra Leone is currently 11. Um, God willing, all our plans by the end of the year will be much more. 100%. Um, and to keep, yeah, just basically to keep growing. Um, so, yeah, so we have a big team who they're doing a lot of the hand, you know, day to day operations, right, right, um, right. moving everything. Um, and they've been fantastic, actually. Right amazing yeah that's that's incredible what you built up man I, I really like every time i hear the story first time was just reading it second time was hearing it off you first time <laughs> and then now again getting like, like a little bit more fresh to the bones like it's amazing what you built like how do you feel looking back on where you are so far i know it's a weird question yeah because you're probably thinking forward already but looking back like how do you feel about that progress so far um it's good and actually it's i think for everyone it's always good to take time to reflect mm-hmm. um so like last year we were looking back a lot because like, like last year we looked at it as a year of learning right learning okay. being in operation what's mm-hmm. work you know what's worked really really well for us what hasn't worked well and what mm-hmm. can we actually change so it's quite an important thing individuals your business, mm-hmm. charity, social enterprise, whatever you're doing, yeah. to have that time to reflect. And so for me, I think the biggest thing was for me never to give up on the dream that I saw then in 2011. Right. In this, you know, this place in Cambia, feeling I have this picture of it, which is so cute and dope. Amazing. By this like <laughs> mud hot house, it was amazing, and I was just standing there. Um, right. And I think if I didn't now, I'd regret a lot of things mm. um so when i look back i know that journey that's been really long it's also been a journey for me to also learn about the sector right to learn about who is who who you you know who the key players to really understand all of yeah. that because it's quite like it's quite an important thing mm. um and even just myself um i think i've also just grown to believe more in myself like going back before i had like a really amazing job mm. i was traveling uh you know it's just really comfortable so my like a typical thing that like my parents 
when I told them I'm setting up a business, oh my god, all <laughs> hell loose. My mom was of just course. like, "We didn't bring you to the con- this country for that." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, sounds familiar. Yeah, you, <laughs> you've got a great job, Marima. You've got your master. You're doing all this stuff. Go and do a PhD instead of doing a business. Go and do an MBA. Go and do all of right. this. I'm just like, oh, mommy, I'm so not interested at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I think sometimes when my mom actually hears about the stuff that I'm doing yeah. and just her reactions and she's just like I actually didn't even want her to do <laughs> to set right. up this business or to do but it's been good and um I think it's my purpose mm-hmm. um it's what I'm here on life doing it's something like I'm really passionate about I really really love it um yeah I have extremely hard times times when things are not going as well mm-hmm. as you do want them to go or as fast um, and my reflection is like some of the children that we work with or students yeah. when you give them a lamp and like how it just changes their face, just changes mm-hmm. their whole being. Um, or when we speak to communities and the impact it's having on them, it's just like really fantastic. But yeah. I think I've just, I know like this is actually what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I dreamt about. When I read my Bible, there's passages that was coming up right, all the right, time. Right, you know, right. like when you want to give yeah. up all this. <laughs> you read someone, you see a passage, you're just like, what's this? Mm-hmm. It's like it's not even from the Bible. It's just someone standing there and talking to you. Yeah. Like, this is for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so the reflection's been good. And and for me, I think if I didn't, like when the Ebola happened, mm. if I just thought, you know what, let's just forget about this. It's just so difficult. Yeah. Um, and doing business in Africa is extremely hey, difficult. Tell them. So it's mm. really difficult. And you're a woman because you know you're doing a business. It's not something that you actually should be doing. Culturally, yes. Yeah. It's a big barrier so for that. It's a lot. They there's been like so much things that could have been like, you know what, Marima? Just stop, go and chill. You can still be coming to Sierra Leone for holiday and doing <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um yeah. but I think also from uh since I was a child, like so young. I've always wanted to play a role in Sierra Leone, like amazing, and yeah, just be an active citizen. You yeah, know? like we have to be nation builders. Come on, that's who yeah, we are. Um, trust me, that's me. So, like, especially when we're blessed with with the kind of like almost the pri- privilege of being over here in the the mindset we're uh, access to. Exactly. Um, and it's like for me personally, I've got a similar kind of thing with you. Like, I just have a desire to change things back home yeah um but again in a sustainable way and whenever you bring that up as as an idea people are like but that's not the easy route like <laughs> or that's not the road traveled widely you yeah, know? yeah um but i wanted to br- pick up on something you mentioned there because you pointed out that you're a woman doing all this mm-hmm. and obviously it's women's empowerment so there's always already a thread there but before I even go into the depths of that, what was what have been your experiences as a woman starting up all that? Because it already sounds like you've gone through all these amazing spaces. Yeah. Um, have you had like resistance to that? Like what what have been your how have you been accepted into those areas? Like how what's that journey been <laughs> like? Curiosity. Tough. Okay. Um, because first, I am um, the energy sector mm-hmm. is very it's a male sector. Okay. It's male dominated. So a lot of the challenges and also like when I work in Sierra Leone. So if you go to the Ministry of Energy, for mm-hmm. example, you'll be at a meeting around everyone days. It's they're all men. Right. Um so I remember initially when I started they always used to call me, Oh, 
like I'm a young girl, look this small picking, hmm. and they'll say stuff like, where did you get this idea from? Um, As if it couldn't come from you. Yeah. Imagine. Um, are you married? Yes, I am. Mm. Oh, what does your husband think about you doing all of this? Uh, shouldn't you be... Have you got children? Hey. No, I haven't got children yet, but I'm going to have children. Mm. Uh, shouldn't you be worried about having children instead of doing all this stuff? How? So mm. you go through stuff and you just think, this is not why I'm at a meeting. Right, exactly. That's um, what I was going to say. Because yeah. I wouldn't be having that conversation <laughs> with the other dudes. Yeah. You know? That's not why I'm at the meeting. Like, So mm. I used to go through, which was really frustrating, like where... It's the questions is a lot about me and mm-hmm. me being a woman that it, it was all about that nothing to do like the business or what we're actually doing or what we're trying to do so right. you pass through all of that um i remember i had a really tough time when we shipped our first goods to sell and i cried okay. for days i was calling my oh, husband wow. i was just like i think i'm just gonna stop all this Mm-mm. stuff it was like a lot of ridicule right. for men and okay. this is like and also we've this type of work a lot of the things we're doing is all male spaces yes so going down to the port it's all oh, men snap. yeah collecting right. all our goods it's all men right you go to tax office it's all men and they just make you feel so i don't know i think it's just like the words the stuff they say so when mm. we were clearing our goods it took me over like nearly two weeks to clear this good and i think the most irritating thing is that every day i would go to get these goods, I could see them. Right. So like all the products right. were oh, there. It's like just dangling. <laughs> yeah. And I'd walk past, you know, so much paperwork and mm-hmm. just going back and forth. Um. So that was really, really hard. Um. We've had like challenges with, like our agents because okay. they're all female. Okay. Um. And now obviously they work, they get a salary, their lives have completely changed. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. They're more independent, you know, they're role models in the community. Right. Some of them, like when they started working, they, they wouldn't even speak. They were really shy. Yeah. And now yeah. they're so outspoken. We sit, we laugh, we talk about so many things. So mm. I remember last May, I actually had to travel to Sierra Leone to do a workshop with the husbands. Okay. Because they started feeling, I don't know it's, if it's, I don't know if, how. Ego. Okay. <laughs> you you can say it's yes. ego. I'm telling you. Yeah. I I'll, I'll bring it up in a second. But I found the sim because when I was hearing about that side of things, putting it culturally into the space. Because I mean, the the podcast itself can be listened to by anybody, right? Some of them will understand the significance of what we're talking about. Some of them might not. But even in UK, it's a patriarchal society. Yeah. But I find in Sierra Leone it is on another level like back in the 1600s style no because Um, you you know you as women you shouldn't our duties as women is looking after get having babies Mm -hmm. cooking looking after the husband making Mm -hmm. sure kids go to school fine wash them Mm -hmm. so there was this whole loads of stuff i remember first like all our agents when we started operating didn't have bank accounts they didn't have like mm. in Sierra Leone, our NACITs, which is like our national insurance cards here. Right. Um, they didn't have that. So we had to make sure we set up all of that. Wow. So I remember when we were saying, before doing that, we said to them, oh, do you guys have bank accounts? They were like, oh, yeah, we have bank accounts. We're like, oh, great. We don't need to go through the process. So when they mm. then brought the bank details to like our staff, um, she was like, but these are men. Right, it's the husbands. It's the husbands. Right. They're like, no, we want you to pay our salaries into our husband's account. We're like, we can't do that. So they wanted you to do that? Yeah. But I guess it's a... Okay, cool, sorry. I would go and on. we were yeah. just like, 
we're going to help you guys open a bank account as uh-huh. a business we need to put the funds into your bank account yeah if you want to go and withdraw everything right and give it to and go and give to your to husband you. that's like we don't get involved in that that's uh-huh. up to you but we can't do that um so when i went in may yeah they were having so much issues so we had to do a workshop which was really great um mm-hmm. and i think it comes back to when you reflect and you learn because sometimes really difficult things happen mm-hmm. but it's those things you then sit and think okay what can be improved or what can i pick up from that right. um so from that workshop now this year going forward we're going to build what we call i need to come up with a really cool name for it <laughs> okay. but at the moment i'm thinking like husband champions right um, okay so we had this workshop and one particular husband, he was just like, well, since you started the business, my wife doesn't have time for me in the morning. She used to do this, this, this mm. all the time. Now she's running to get to work, to meet her other colleagues. Um, mm. He was going and he was pointing at me, oh, telling me he was, he was basically That's telling me. Off. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. just sat there looking at this. I was just like, oh my goodness. So in my mind, I was like, oh Lord. Mm. He had a huge what's going on. And then one of the husbands now stood up and then he said, don't say that to like my Emma, um, or even to our wives. Mm-hmm. They're working. He said, do you know how difficult it's been for me to look after my wife and all our kids? Mm. Um, now she's working half the salary. She contributes yeah. towards the home. Then the rest she can do whatever yeah. she wants to do with it. And he said, we shouldn't be like this. Obviously, they're not putting any... They, everyone is just working, like how I go to work and to fend, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing um, happening. So after a while, then the other husband got involved, so he mm-hmm. then cooled down. So from that, we definitely understand that in the kind of society we have in Sierra Leone and the type mm-hmm. of work where so um, like women, it's possibly like probably about 80, 70, 80% of our staff females. Right. And the rest are all, men, you know, men. They, men actually have to play a role. It's not a thing for us to say the men cannot get involved. Right. Okay. They actually have to be really engaged and involved. So for that incident to have happened last year, we actually learned to say when we're moving into new territories, mm-hmm. these new husband champions, so they would come right. with us to new territories okay. and speak to like the men, the new agents mm-hmm. we recruit, their husbands uh-huh. about their own experiences and what it's been like and basically just get them on board and to support yeah. us. Um, and it's something that's like really key. All our communities, we engage like the chiefs, mm-hmm. like key stakeholders for them to play an active role. Um, and the business works more because the community then takes it on as it's theirs. Yeah, um, yeah. Instead of it just being like a company that literally just goes and operates. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's it. But there's just so much challenges. But I just think with most of them, it's thinking like the stuff with the port, I was writing down every single process. Right, okay. To know that yeah. next time this is the single, like this is what I need to do yeah. for it not to happen. Um, also, we, we've joined like membership organizations. Okay. So for example, you've got the Sierra Leone Chamber of Commerce. There's awesome. the Renewable Energy Association. Mm-hmm. So they're big organizations when situations like that happen, where right. I just called and- They can support you. Yeah, they right. can support. They said, well, all you simple need to do, you need to write a letter to the commissioner. It was mm-hmm. just so long. You go and see the commissioner. And the commissioner, it was like a two minute meeting with this guy. Right, okay. He was just like, why are they disturbing you? Mm. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Are you serious? <laughs> what am I saying?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and to just get it down. But all of that is also just writing things down for the next person mm-hmm. that's gonna go through that because it's easier for you to just say, "Hey, just don't do this. You just need to do this, this, and this," and right. kind of share that learning. And again, like what, like there's two things in my head. Like part part of what you're saying is for me is like archiving and being able to set up systems. I guess the yeah. processes, the really details. So like you said, in terms of sustainability, because whenever we're starting things like this, which is often a lot bigger than ourselves, mm-hmm. we got to be able to step back and still have it running. Yeah. And I find there's no better way than if there's a system in place that is clear enough for. Mm-hmm. A random person off the street to be able to pick it up exactly. and be able to roll with it. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about specifically, I know you've just mentioned it, is something that I saw when I was in Sierra Leone as well, because mm. we do a lot of women's empowerment stuff uh, as well back home. And one of the things I saw was exactly what you're talking about. Women's empowerment is a really big issue, but we'll never get to where we go to until you have men who are going to check other men's behavior. Yeah. And that, for me, was like a big missing part of yeah. our puzzle. It's very important. Yeah, 100%. So it's dope that you have the the male champions. Yes. <laughs> I know I need to come up with something. Hey, champions, listen. No, yeah. It will work. It will work. Don't worry. It will land in you in a dream or when you're reading <laughs> exactly. the scriptures. Um, but what was... So in, in that situation, there was a man who stood up against another man and basically pointed to out to the other man the benefit mm-hmm. of what you are doing um how did you process that environment because i've seen that before like there's a woman who's saying something very clear very like makes complete sense logically and emotionally mm. but it's only when another dude says something that someone else would actually heed what is being said yeah how does that I felt really relieved, actually. Okay. Because <laughs> I was there, I was thinking, you know, when I was sat there looking at them, like, mm. can someone say something? Right, right. Because um, this guy was really going at me for, like, a good 30 minutes. Now we're, like, hey. really cool. When okay. I was in Sierra Leone, I gave him a call. Like, now when I go, I give him a call. I was like, right. hello, happy new year. I'm here. He's like, oh, how's the business? Even when you're in London, I go to the shop and see. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but I just really felt relieved. And I think we shouldn't forget like the culture mm-hmm. and society that actually we've been raised in most of us moved yeah. here at a very young age yeah so there's a lot of things we actually do not understand True. um and i think the only way we can actually learn is by being in this situation and being around and everyone's learning in the same process i'm sure mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been he wouldn't say to me what he had taken away from that because right. of the ego and stuff <laughs> maybe later on i don't know couple of years down the line he might say to me oh my actually i was really really sorry but it Mm. was because my mind i'm doing this you know i'm thinking so i was just i was just so relieved and just so happy and even though it was a guy that done it Mm. i just felt like he was just part of us yeah part of the business and every um, every single thing um and i think in sierra leone we deal with such issues like the stuff around like FGM, which is a massive thing. You could yeah. never leave the men outside of that. Mm-hmm. You need mm. their voice to be alongside. And you know, there's people that support it. So it's yeah. definitely one thing um, like I understand. And I know the work we do, 
it's also quite interesting. So every territory we go into, we use storytelling. Hmm. Um, Such a powerful, yeah. especially back home culturally, it's something we understand. Even me, I'm learning about the powers of that. Right oh, it's now, so, so amazing. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's so Was amazing. Yusuf Ajalo, yes, Kama. I work with yes. the cow footprint, Yusuf mm-hmm. Ajalo. So amazing. I've learned so much stuff from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just simple. I think one day, obviously, he's always known about like smiling through like all the journey and every single thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking, how can we communicate because of this literacy level and right. the communities we work in? People, there's no way you're going to be giving people books to be mm-hmm. reading, doing some fancy PowerPoint presentation. It no, just doesn't. It doesn't work. Yeah. So how can we really in a very simple way explain how this technology works mm-hmm. that all these community members can just think of me and mr jalo was literally yeah. just on the phone having a talk and he was like you can use stories to do that right. and i was like tell me more mm-hmm. i'm interested he has that um, effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah then he you know it broke it down then then at the point i was just like why don't we develop stories around the firefly and he was like yeah like community members know them Jeez. then obviously he knows so much stuff so he was saying what the firefly their names yeah. of all of it um i know in timini's kabat is mr jalo is gonna tell me <laughs> and He'll even be i you know. will be really bad because obviously my that side there, Timini. Yeah. Um, let me not try. <laughs> so they have Limba, there's one. And then we, he was just like, let's try and develop stories mm. around the fireflies. So if fireflies are like lightning bugs. Right. Um, so they work the same way, basically, as a solar product. Right, um, okay, yeah. During the day, they're, they're charging. Yeah, Getting yeah. all the light. And then in the evening, they just bright up. So community Jeez. members, they see it. Yeah. So they know what these... Um, bugs are the fireflies and mm. so mr jallo then develops like cool stories using drumming amazing acting oh my god so any community we work in so like in lonsa when we done the first launch mm. we had over 300 people like wow. we do really cool community awareness for people to understand right what the business is about and most importantly what this technology is about and mm-hmm. how the technology helps and supports you so that was great. When we done the launch in Kamakoe, when me and Mr. Jalo got there, there were nearly 500 people there. What? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I was just That's like, huge. where did all these people come from? And then <laughs> the reality is, it was so different. So Lonsao has always been like this business town. Okay. So you, there were loads of like business people there. Like yeah. some of the market women wanted to sell. So like really businessy. Kamakoe, there were loads of kids. Okay. Right. Probably 70% of the, no, 90% what? of the whole audience were kids. kids. So I was like, they said, we're going to, we want to learn because we're going to tell our parents to buy this product. For Come us. on. School. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was just like, people just get it. It's not, and, and I think with business, don't try and make it complicated. Mm, simpler the better. Yeah. Make it really simple. Do really cool stuff. Like the storytelling that Mr. Jalo does. It's so amazing. Even mm-hmm. me, I'm always like dancing. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of my friends to get involved. Right. Like, you know, one really cool thing I would actually love to do with him is to do like a whole road trip. Around, right. Like Sierra yeah. Leone. We get like, I don't know, big truck music with the drums that would be like I just carnival <laughs> yeah everywhere and do training and teaching yeah. and, and doing so much stuff but yeah like the storytelling part so people just really 
it, do, it doesn't take long, but as soon as she say Firefly, Mr. Jalos says all the different names. Oh, okay, yeah. that's how it works. And all right, okay, yes, we get it. Yeah. Um. So for us, through like the work with Mr. Jalo, storytelling plays such an important role mm. in the work that we do. We could not go into any community without actually doing that first community awareness. Yeah. We don't set up shop until we've done all of that so important and get the community on board because that's mm. a mistake lots of people do um we come from here and we think we know it all huh. and we mm. go and it's that's like your biggest downfall because the people be looking at you like okay mm. so you know all right like you're going in the deep sea let them live th- we're not going to let them drown mm. but as they're about to we then yeah, yeah <laughs> like of course. lift them up yeah. and stuff <laughs> um so that was like really pretty yeah really really cool Oh. That's amazing. Like, because I, 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 I think I saw a couple of posts yeah. about that, and I, I was just like, that's such a genius idea. Because we've had Yusuf on the, on the, um, on the podcast before, um, so it's, it's just great the way he communicates through storytelling and just every traditional medium there is, pretty much. Yeah, and I think for him, what's also important is that we don't pass knowledge on. Mm. And he plays such, you know, such huge a role huge that. role. Like he's yeah. always encouraging, so, you know, Mariam will learn, go and learn Timini, learn, mm. do not only Creole, try and learn what the other languages yeah. you yeah. can know. Um, and he's always encouraging young people to make sure we keep our culture, mm. understand it, understand how heritage, understand where we're actually from. Because mm. a lot of people we just don't even know. We don't. Spend like Mr. Jalo is always saying, do you go and read the history books? Do you know Ooh. your history? Do you know your roots? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> um, right. and I think it's so key. Those are the types of individuals that we actually need as nation builders. Absolutely. There was a quote actually I posted on my Facebook yesterday that says something like, show us who your heroes are mm-hmm. and we'll tell you what the future of your country is going to be like. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. people like that. I was writing about one of our board members who she's Sierra Leonean. Mm. She supports all our HR work. So she's okay. in Sierra Leone at the moment. It was her birthday. She's gone and had a nice time, but she's spending now time with the team going through. Yeah. So I was looking for like a really nice call. And it's the same thing like with Mr. Jallo. These are like Absolutely. key nation builders who understand what it means to be a good citizen and mm-hmm. also how you actually pass that knowledge, that information on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because they understand that obviously there's a day we're all going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that history, documenting things, archiving, Absolutely. keeping, right? Like we need to be doing all of that because it's mm-hmm. not something we're good, we don't do. It's not something we've been doing very much. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because I was talking to you for on on another episode, but he was saying that a lot of the times we pass it down in different ways, mm. which makes it very difficult for us to track in a modern sense. But we understood it in a in a traditional sense. So, for example, whether it's dance or song and all that kind of stuff, um, a lot of information about our heritage is hidden in those things. Yeah, but you'd need someone who understands it to be able to decode it. Exactly. And I think that is part of the problem. So, yeah. for example, um, I've sat with him a few times and it's like come up in conversation. If his generation was to disappear. <laughs> yeah. What, what? Like, <laughs> what What could we do? Because it's, 
unfortunately we don't have the decoders yeah anymore like and we definitely don't have them written in books well some some books but sometimes it's hard to get access to them yeah um so we got to keep hold of that but what do you think is like since we since we're on the subject what do you feel like is moving here forward the future of our culture as Sierra Leoneans mm-hmm. I know it's a random question moving forward our culture yeah um it's obviously gonna change because the world changes. So now we're really in this social media world. Mm-hmm. Where like before, when I used to go to Sierra Leone, a lot of young people were not even connected to the internet True. at all. Yeah. Um. So there's stages where you're going to leapfrog. So we actually leapfrog handheld phones. Yeah. We didn't actually use those in Sierra Leone, but we moved on straight to mobile technology. Like That's on, a good on point, the actually. Yeah. whole continent. That's right. what happened. No one was using those phones, I don't like even know what they're called, yeah. landlines, what? That's a good point. We've done a completely leapfrog. Yeah. Everyone went into mobile phones and that's what's happening. So mm. the generation now, that, that they're in a new, this social change, you know, social media is a mm. new generation. But I think the culture, the important part of it, that we sh- can't actually lose it. Mm. As much as all these t- changes keep happening, mm. the culture is what makes us really strong proud that's what actually defines who we are as well mm. within like now we're in 2020 the things that's happening around us that would always change but yeah i was saying i left early on like in 92 all that mm. hasn't changed right. the world around me obviously has yeah. how things have but it's more around mindset your mm-hmm. own education your own connection i think also towards that but i definitely do think we play like a key responsibility mm. to hold that knowledge, to hold that history and to story. You saying that the like my granddad mm. my granddad's eighty three. Wow. Okay. So when I started smiling through life, I was trying to apart from my dad's side, mm. there like my granddad who I never met on my dad's side, mm. he was a re, like a like a business person okay so i've always been like where do you know you want to know where did you get it where did that come from yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um so then probably like two three years ago like my granddad or my this my uh, my mom's dad Mm. and we're talking then he was just like my mama you actually got it for me i was like come on come on really (laughs) right he was like yes really i was like why so my granddad was one of the first he had like Five different businesses. Hey, okay. Poda Poda, he was the first. His first Poda Poda in Sailor was called White Horse. What? Yeah. He ran like five, six. He said they were so nice. He had an electronic shop in Sierra Leone. He was okay. one of the first people in Sierra Leone to be able to get imports on credit. Wow. He had a night nightclub. <laughs> okay. When everything, you know, with like key government policies and so much stuff, he then moved to Dawu okay and set up a big plantation he was growing um cocoa wow planting so many different things the mm-hmm. year it was meant to harvest is when the war happened no way yeah. and then he obviously my granddad actually was in was captured for like a good six years we all thought he had wow. died wow um and then he appeared in Peter. but the thing is i was sat there like Oh my gosh, like mm. my granddad's got so much. They so when he was telling me about business stuff, now mm. now when we're talking about stuff. So what I've decided is that I need to start doing it. But once 
one evening yeah i'm gonna go over with kuda yeah so he can just tell his own story yeah, yeah and yeah, just yeah. explain like he was talking to me because i was saying to him i actually want to write a book for you but then That's i was telling idea. my aunties because mm. actually they should be doing that Mm, yeah oh yeah of course yeah like my mom my mom's right. like oh no the grandkids should be doing that but they pass it on but if right. someone doesn't we're gonna lose lose it all that information like yeah all that so if that my granddad stuff like definitely now when i sit and think about it last when i in december before traveling to Sierra Leone, i went to see him for mm. hours we were just talking so many different things amazing things he's really upset about like mm. the economy like he really he hates it when we go to Sierra Leone and we're all using dollars and all, oh my god he okay. literally he's just like our economy was so good my yeah. my like the leons to the pound it was so strong mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so he says like so many different things and I'm sure there's a, there's obviously loads of people like my granddad. Yeah. But it's one thing with this: how many grandkids are actually trying to collect those stories? Right, right, um, right. And this is the age we're in. It's quite easy because you can just put your phone on, mm-hmm. and my granddad just sits there and talks, and I just literally record every single thing. Definitely. Hundred um, percent. So the culture is always, you know, it's there, it's instilled with us. And mm. I don't think it could, the world is always going to change different things in the next 10 years. Everything's going to be different, mm. but that is never going to go. Cause we're so, it's like so deeply rooted in all of us. But I think yeah. that information definitely needs to be captured. Um, and there's people around who has, they have those, the, that really, really key information Absolutely. that we can actually like get from them. And I think that the thing about information is it's timeless. Yeah. Like, because some people you can say, if you think about it, there's some amazing books that were about business that were written in the 70s that are still used now Mm -hmm. to start businesses Businesses, in this economy. And it's like getting those things into, whether it's business, culture, all that kind of stuff, everything is still relevant. Yeah. I find like this, I haven't come across a piece of, information when i'm looking at that stuff which i think oh that is completely obsolete now Mm. usually there's some kind of attribution that will be like okay cool i can use this in this way um so it's important being able to do that because i thought that as well like when i was in sierra leone my project was so crazy (laughs) right i didn't get round to it but that was one of the things i wanted to do i wanted to interview a lot of the that older generation my grandma included to 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 kind of, like I said, archive some of that information. And it's maybe something I'll do next time. Um, I know there's um, a sailing guy that's doing that with a Nigerian, this guy, Joseph. Oh? He's been spending, um, I don't know the name of the Nigerian guy, but he's okay. been like in Nigeria by documenting. Aha, uh-huh. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for the last year or so, I haven't seen him, but he's been there spending time living wow. with this guy, documenting his whole history. Wow. Because I, I think he was, I'm sure Joseph's an architect. So he's working like in this kind of really n- niche, unique. Okay. So if, God forbid anything, mm. like he has so much knowledge. Right, right, right. Um, That it definitely just has to be kept. And for me, with my granddad, I was just thinking, you know, if you want to know about the war, what they mm-hmm. saw, you know, he couldn't just tell you about so many different things and Mm. i was just like oh my goodness so was there anything that he told you 
the time that you were just like completely shocked about or kind of like stood out to you looking back? Um, the war. Okay. Yeah, like the war was really dreadful. Mm. So he had some really horrific stories about the war. Mm. Um, the soldiers, Echo Morg. Yeah. And pregnant women, you know, the way people always, were being yeah, killed, yeah, like yeah. really awful. I was just mm. like, oh my God, Grandpa, how were you able to go through all of that? Mm. Um, and even now, because I was asking him this year, because obviously he's got loads of land and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so I was just like, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, I can't go back there. They don't remember me. The people, because now most people that were in the village in Daru, they, they died during the right, war. Okay, and he's course. like, um, this will be a new set of people. They right. will know. So I don't, I don't have no intention of trying to go back or. Uh huh. So to, it's just lost find. now. Yeah. Wow. So things like that, and I just think for him to see like the Sierra Leone he grew up in, mm. which was very affluent, which yeah. was very nice. Like he really collapsed in their faces. Yeah. So yeah. when he speaks, you can. Like, just his whole body language and mm. everything just goes cold when he talks about certain things. And yeah. for me, it's quite, like, really, really emotional for him to actually experience all of that. And yeah. now, actually, in hindsight, because before I knew all of this, there used to be conversations, like, within the family. Like, if we're all there, mm -hmm. where he would get really upset. Right, but we okay. wouldn't know why. I <laughs> like, see. I wouldn't know why. And I'll be thinking, like, why is Grandpa kicking off? Yeah. <laughs> um, but now where and i'm sure he's gonna go into much more deeper stuff yeah right, as we start talking mm -hmm. now i'm like oh it makes sense because he's experienced like our families have gone through so much trauma so much that they've never dealt with at all like and that's for me that's probably one of the scariest things yeah. when i like when i was there in december and i came back and i i spoke to a guy called um joe on the podcast as well who works in mental health Mm. And I was just talking about the kind of trauma that people have gone yeah. through and that there's, n from what I saw anyway, there's little to nothing in place to kind of deal with that yeah. um, back home. So people are just like, you've gone through all this stuff, right? Okay, cool. So off you go. Off you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and yeah. then that's it. You just kind of, um, and you can see it, Yeah. you know, walking around um, on the streets. You don't need to go far before you're like, okay, cool. There's a lot of people dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's like that trauma, like trauma, mm -hmm. it's there. Um, it's impacting the youth now. Mm. Um older generations so we have so much work to do and i see like yeah. in my like when my granddad speaks he's so emotional i think the day when we had the conversation because i was i basically went to my mom's he doesn't live far from my mom's mm. then i took food for him okay um so when i then came back to my mom it was like nearly four hours she was like you went to drop food i was mm. like mommy <laughs> have you ever sat like obviously it's your dad but have you sat and spoken to grandpa like, right and she was just like, obviously we speak. And I was like, then I was telling her like, do you know this? Do you know this? Yeah. Do you know this? Do you know that? And she was like, how do you know all this stuff? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Like, well, grandpa was telling me all this stuff. And um, it was just so amazing. Yeah. Um, and it'd be something, I think, it's one of those things back now, if God forbid, mm. I didn't like get all that information to pass. That would make me feel like, oh yeah. man, my 
Yeah, I feel like there's a whole generation of us in that similar kind of um, situation um, where we kind of have that desire to to put it all together. Yeah. But I've, I've, I completely agree with what you're saying. And it's something that I noticed that when I spoke to my mum's generation, for example, about wanting to go back to Sierra Leone, they're all like, why? Yeah. And similar to you, I was just like, I couldn't understand yeah. why I wouldn't want to yeah. go back. You know, like, but, you know, it's it's amazing. But like you said, they've seen it go from prosperity to austerity within their lifetime yeah. in such a visual they, way. Yeah, they've seen a lot. Hmm. And you can think these are the people that actually built yes. the country, yeah. built the Quite economy, yeah. done every single thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, um, you know, older people, there's that resistance mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Actually, even my mom, she's like, I don't want to go. Right. She was like, why are you always like... And I'm just like, mommy, you, you know, you need to. And she's just like, no, you guys think you enjoy Sierra Leone now. <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. We used to enjoy Sierra Leone. Yeah. You guys are not, you guys are playing. <laughs> yeah. But at she the same saying, time, we'll never get back there unless we do something. Yeah. At the same, like, because I was having this cycle of a conversation with my mom once, because obviously they, they're only saying this to protect us in a way. And the same, it's all, it's all from a place of love, but... We kept going around in this circle because I was like, but I see this potential mm-hmm. of what it could be. And they were like, yeah, but it's not. And I'm like, yeah, but it won't be if yeah. you know, do anything. And they're like, but why does it need to be you? But then why not? <laughs> like, you know, so it's just literally going back and forth and back and forth. But I see it a lot. Um, yeah, that's dope. Well, I'm glad that you have done what you're doing right but you obviously have such a strong connection that you we were having a conversation before this started recording are looking to build back home as well oh yeah right yeah. so how's how's like what's what's made the decision for that to be like now well that one is quite simple i think um with all my friends even they would all tell you when we went in december mm. and i've been going i said to all of them if there's one thing you try and do no one's saying come and build now mm. get yourself you know get yourself land because yeah. this is an asset it's you know land everyone knows is a key asset mm-hmm. so my own thing was what happened all the time i've always wanted land there mm. um you know like my granddad's got land so mm. you know like family like our families you yeah. get land but obviously i wanted one so all the time i'll be like oh to my uncle and them oh i need to get land like every year oh i need to get land oh i need to get land. Mm-hmm. then once my one year my uncle said to me Mariama, do you know how long you've been saying this he said one year you're going to come to this country mm-hmm. and chinese people are going to be selling you land listen don't <laughs> even play do you know how truthful <laughs> yeah that that's that scary me, oh, like your reaction now i was just like nonsense yeah how dare <laughs> so yeah. when my uncle said he was just like you keep messing around mm-hmm. you better get your act together and get it sorted yeah. while we're all here and get your name on it and do whatever mm-hmm. and i was just like right right ain't no chinese person telling me land come on and that's a real issue though because like a huge one when i went back i just saw like it was weird. I, I always had this, um, obviously I got a lot of Chinese friends and all that kind of stuff. And it's, and I feel like the Chinese are like the most nationalist people I've ever, mm. like they love China. China like yeah. I've, I've had a friend of mine who's working, um, before all this Corona stuff was going on, like mm. years and years ago, she was working in, in Wuhan and, um, she worked in schools and 
like teaching them English. And so she asked them to sing a song, any song, the kids, right? Primary school kids, sing any song. You would think in that they would come up with like Baba Black Sheep or something like that. You know, some yeah, of those yeah. nursery rhymes. They, they, the children of between maybe five and eight years old, the first song that collectively came into their mind was the national anthem. You see? Right? So like... And, and that's great. You yeah. know, people, there's... They, so, Serolinians, we have a really big issue. Mm. Um, and it really breaks my heart, actually, because I'm just like, we're really... I can't even use the... But we are, we've got like... Say it. <laughs> <laughs> Say it, Mariam. <laughs> we've got issues. Mm, okay, all right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, for me, these are our issues. Mm-hmm. We have a very bad mindset. Mm-hmm. We still have white complexity. Like, we are complex. Yeah. We have complex over white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not going to move us anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's really, really bad. And this particular, this January, I learned so much stuff. With mm. all my years of going, I learned so much stuff. So this trip, I actually didn't stay in a family house. I got okay. an Airbnb because I really wanted yeah. to just folk, you know, Normally, all the time when I go out, focus, but I just be like, you know what? I want to just be on my own space. Mm. And I was staying on Sporod. So the Airbnb oh, okay. was on Sporod. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was really nice. So every morning, there's this big veranda. I was mm. like on the second floor. I would sit outside, just watch Sporod from the morning mm-hmm. going up and down. And I was just like, our country is very sad. Okay. What do you mean by that? Because... Spore Road is such a nice area because yeah. obviously there now you're getting into really nice areas. All mm. I would see every morning, white people, a lot of NGO staff in big jeeps mm-hmm. going up and down. Not saying there's not Sierra Leonean people who ride nice cars or have mm. jeeps, but majority. Right, right, right. Then you'd see majority like now local Sierra Leoneans on Okada, right, Keke, right, right, right. Yeah. walking. Mm. you'd go like our office is near Lomley so in the evening sometimes I would just stroll back Mm -hmm. it's like a 10 minute walk talk to people there and 10,000 Leons which is like okay the exchange rate is like 12,000 now say like one pound Mm -hmm. for you to give someone 10,000 Leons a day they're so grateful like and you just think the country is so small we've got 7 million people Mm. And the people are just suffering. Mm. Mm. Like for me, it was just so heartbreaking. And I really, really think like when you talk about being national, it's not a bad thing. I've been, when Mm. I went to the Bahamas, in the Bahamas, you cannot just come set up shop Mm. in the Bahamas if you're not partnering with a local Bahamian. Right. It doesn't work. And it's not a bad thing because Mm. they're looking after their citizens. They're protecting in Ghana, in a lot of African countries, they've got key policies like that. That's why they mm. always say Nigerian market is so tough right. for people to break, to break into, into yeah. because they have that. But Sierra Leone, we have nothing like that. Yeah, we have no like key policies that would protect individuals, citizens, yeah. our own businesses on how we do stuff. It's like free for all. Like yeah. if they want to come and dump something, people come and dump something. Mm-hmm. If you want to come and do this, they come and do. And then the appreciation goes to, like, other foreigners. And I mm-hmm. just sit and think, how can we be 
so mean to ourselves because hmm. this is us doing it yeah. like it is it's not a conversation i know people go through the thing of oh it's the white man da, da, da. that that history has played a really great role yeah and we understand it it's definitely part of us we live in a world of different systems the systems mm. are, like so we like well i understand all of that and i'm sure most people understand that but this is now in your own country mm-hmm. where you meet young people people like my age younger than me who do, they basically don't have any hope right right and it's mm. really sad so that spore road that i was sat at i was just like every day just walking and i'm just thinking oh my goodness this is crap mm. Mm. in a beautiful place like you're in this beautiful yeah, place it's incredible and then the people could not even enjoy it i sometimes think like when we go to like a be- nice beaches and stuff apart from mm. like lumbly beach how many locals like Sierra Leoneans actually can come here right yeah 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 no it's true um it's true like going to banana island first it's so expensive even for hey. me but <laughs> i didn't even go this yeah. year i was like well, how much yeah. even by uk standards that's, that's dear yeah right and um, things like that those are national heritage banana yeah. islands on a lease to wow. not even that should be owned by the government Wow, this is like I didn't know. pride stuff that we should own. They've leased it to different people. So it's just like, I think for me this trip, it was just really mm. heartrending. And I think obviously the, the situation in the country is really tough at the moment. Mm-hmm. But if we were doing more together, mm. more work, I had some meetings with a couple of funders. They were just like, you know, one of the biggest issues, like we've got funds here, mm. but Serenians, everyone works in silo. They don't work in partnerships. Right. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. I think that's one of the things I saw as well. Like even even I, I feel like even here in a way, there's a lot of people doing great things, but individually. Yeah. Um. And it's and it's difficult for us to work together. Like one of the things I was saying earlier about the the Chinese and the nationalism is is what I realize is, it's it's not necessessarily a bad thing. We actually need a bit more of that. Like no, we, it's not. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, like we because just that's where the you see them it. all growing. Yeah. Look up places like Ghana and how they move. Ghana. My mom was telling me when I went in two thousand and nine. When I was calling mm. my mom, I was just like, "Oh my god, Ghana is amazing." That was like mm. a good over ten, nearly yeah, ten years okay. now. Okay, right, right. So God only knows, and from what we see, what it's like now. Yeah. This was like two thousand and nine when I went, and it was okay. amazing. Oh my goodness, like it was crazy. And I was calling my mom, I was like, oh my God, Ghanaians. She was just like, no, Mariam, like, you're kidding. I'm like, mommy, seriously. <laughs> She's like, Ghanaians used to come to Sierra Leone. Q, we used, hmm. they used to have their toothbrush. We used to give them toothpaste. We used to give them sardines. Because I think they had a whole issue with Nigerians. And Nigerians kicked them out. Right, okay. And they obviously came to Sierra Leone. We're obviously really nice, accommodating. And so my mom was just like, I can't believe. And I said, wow. Yeah, like Ghana is like a really good success story. Yeah, if you look at places like somewhere like Rwanda. Oh, Rwanda is their... like the poster child for a success exactly. story. Exactly. Yeah, similar stuff to us. Obviously, their genocide was worse, but mm-hmm. similar with the war, their genocide. And look in the last how many years what they've done because they've literally focused on themselves. Yeah, and been like, you know what, we need to look after our mm-hmm. people. Obviously, we've got friends all around the world who can come and support us. Yeah, but our number one thing needs to be us and our people so all these 100%. different countries you see what do you think brexit is all about all these different things you see happening mm-hmm. here <laughs> um yeah. so 
but if we don't like wake up i'm just really worried about yeah who actually is going to be looking after sierra leone yeah, and the problem is they wouldn't necessarily be looking after it at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so, so they'll be kicking out the people who are meant to be there in the first place. But at, at the same time, who could we blame? Um, like when, with regards to Rwanda, because for me, like I, I followed that story, um, like I say story, that history quite closely. And, and like I said, for me, it's like a poster child of success. But one of the things I saw... Um, from speaking to a few, and I really hope I get someone on the podcast who, from Rwanda, yeah, 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 who can who can tell a bit more of that story is because for me I found that there was like a collective vision of what Rwanda would be. Mm-hmm. So and it was like a top down and bottom up approach that they had, where as a nation they mm. took a lot of sacrifices together to be able to get them towards that vision. Mm-hmm. So like for example, when it comes to like the justice system they went back to like old formats so even before colonialization so they went in terms of because obviously all the judges and everything and all the institutions had collapsed so they relied on communities to Mm. go back to their traditional ways of um, settling conflict and when it came to building and stuff they had all kinds of systems in place that they all together had this vision in every aspect we worked together if but that takes like i found leadership <laughs> to be able to yeah. communicate and pull through with that um, and i is... think right now i was hearing i think um kagami his temp's coming up or something but his mm. main worry when you're talking about leadership who's gonna now take what yeah as, like all this stuff we've built mm. who's gonna take it to the next level and right. much and more beyond. yeah um and that's a key issue we have in in Africa in Sierra Leone, that mm. kind of how you sustain stuff. Right. Because a new government might come in and completely change every single thing. Mm-hmm. And in every government, you'd have good things that work, you'd have bad things. Yeah. And the good things, you have to keep them going. Absolutely. You need to keep some brings, you know, someone that comes in needs to keep it going. Yeah. Um, and I know with them, like, that's definitely a key um, issue mm-hmm. for them. But then you don't actually want to reign or be president for yeah forever forever <laughs> yeah exactly. it kind of it doesn't become a democracy that way but i think what one of the things i always find difficult about uh, the concept of politics is you're kind of fighting for a specific time period which is actually really short to create change so like you might have like four or five years depending on what the 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 staple might be but if you want to completely like i'm thinking about sierra leone now mm. like the kind of changes we want in sierra leone we're not going to get in four or five years. Yeah. But then, like you said, which is actually really key, if someone else comes in to a state where they might have a different system or there might be, um, you know, um, one version, I'm not even going to say them because everyone back home seems to be on one side of the fence or the other. Yeah. Um, I find they kind of dismantle what people have done, done. Yeah. and start from scratch yeah. with their ideas. Whereas, you know, if something is working, don't do that. Exactly. Like, you know. Well, you saying that, I was watching um, on, I think, last week, Friday, mm. Thursday or Friday, um, the Ghanaian president was in London. He was speaking at, on, at Chatham House about mm. economic development. And one person in the audience asked that same question. Wow. Because their election's coming up. Okay. And they were saying, you know, the year of the return was such a big thing in Ghana. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Like, yeah. what plans have you 
put in place to make sure that happens every single year right. because we know with most African countries when mm-hmm. the leader goes and someone comes in yeah. they just put all of that aside and right. these things we actually need to keep and he was saying well he hopes obviously he wins again to carry on yeah. but definitely something they're having a team working on to make sure it's something that's within the country and for them to keep on going because it sure. happens all the time in Sierra Leone is one and people obviously both sides whichever government they will do really really great stuff mm. but that stuff you need to keep you need to keep it going yeah um it's Absolutely. not about that whole mentality everyone wants a legacy but you mm. need to have a great legacy yeah which does so much stuff and so much great things mm. that other people actually build on yeah Hundred percent, completely agree. Um, well, I hope we start to live, you know, start seeing that ourselves, as in, like, because there's, like you said, there's so many great things. Even though going back, there's there's a lot of things that obviously to work on. Because um, for me, mine was similar to you. I came here when I was nineteen ninety, so I was like five years old, <laughs> like give or take. Um, and I didn't go back until ninety six, and then. 2006 and then 2016 oh, oh wow <laughs> and then, yeah i know right and then after 2016 i, I went back in 2018 19 20 it, oh so now it's like every year but being able to be, that 10-year gap was a very visual mm. thing um and but for me i feel like the last few years have been fluctuating i can't say it's been consistently yeah. up or down yeah so it's interesting to see um what will happen to it but um what about you as a as a as a human as a human because <laughs> we talk about sierra leone as a country and everything we've obviously talked about um smiling through light as a company but what about you as a human like what's what's been your your journey like on this planet earth on the planet earth um I think my journey has been really good. It's had ups and downs. Um, mm. So like I mentioned before, I moved here when I was nine because of the war. So growing up in Sierra Leone was amazing. Right. Um, and also because I'm six years older than my sister. So I have a sister okay. who I'm six years older than. Um, so growing up, obviously, parents invested mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I had like an amazing childhood. Awesome. Um, it was really fantastic. Then I moved here, but my parents actually separated okay. when I was eight, just eight, nine, just before we moved here right. for over 10 years. So I grew up in a single, wow. like just, it was me and my mom and my sister. So we grew right, up in okay. a single mom, single parent home. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really tough. Um, mm. But I think then obviously when I moved here, I experienced like so much racism in school. Because mm. in Sierra Leone, I used to go to a private school. So, you, you know, you were taught English. But you obviously know you have the accent. Listen, <laughs> I've been trying to explain that to people and they just don't get it. Yeah. Like our, like our system, first of all, our system, like, it's often better than, like back then, oh, yeah, it was yeah, often yeah. better than Europe, for example. Yeah. So when, when we were learning English, like for me personally, and it sounds probably the same with you, when I came here, I was... I wouldn't say bullied necessarily, but it was kind of like something similar along those lines because I spoke so bosh. Yeah. <laughs> like we learned the Queen's English, English. Exactly. And then I moved to Birmingham where that was just not heard at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry. I yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was really crazy. And I, going back to that, like our educational system was so good then. Hmm. When I moved here, the things they were teaching the kids when 
like I got, had learned yeah. it like years ago. Yeah, so I remember I used to finish like my school, like my work, mm-hmm. and I'll just be sat there. Um, but that was like really tough that transition, and I think right. the difficult part was because I never wanted to move in the first place. <laughs> in the first place, right. so. Yeah. It was like moving, and I remember when I got here, it was like in December. It was hey, that's so cold. From Sierra Leone, yeah. My mom got me this. Gosh, yeah. I looked like some little red riding hood. <laughs> just seen, she got me this red jacket, mm-hmm. the hood, the scarf. Oh my god, it was really like, oh my goodness, I really don't want that's to be here. That's a shock to the system. Yeah, Huge. I was so unhappy. Then like going to school. The kids were just horrible, and I, I suppose it was mm. still them. Like when you'd be like, "Oh, I'm from Sierra Leone. Where is that?" And I'd be like, "Oh, that place. Oh, you guys only eat bananas. Where mm. did you used to live?" And I used to think, "I'm um, mud house. I don't think I've even seen something like that. I'm a city girl. I used to be like, "Come on. Excuse me. I lived in like amazing big house. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, kind of thing. And you, I just used to think, "Oh my gosh, why?" So it wasn't just me. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. yeah, I think we like all went through all of that. Like mm-hmm. got full of that. Then when I got into secondary school, it was much more better. So I've always been like, I'm not. I won't say like you know. There's some people who are like booky, like book people. Mm. Like obviously, I'm quite smart. Mm. Um, but I like like I'm a hands-on. Yeah. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. person I like do, I'm a doer I like doing stuff Same. like thinking project like all that kind of stuff like I'm really really good at mm. um so yeah secondary school was amazing it was really nice um then I was really good at sports so I got into loads of sports awesome. I even used to play like um, basketball for Hackney okay when I was in secondary school I so that was that. really right. yeah Dope. I loved sports um but the hard time in secondary school was that when we moved, obviously we moved as refugees, so all our mm. immigration papers and everything wasn't sorted out. Right. So okay. I remember like when my friends used to, I think once a year they used to go to Paris. Yeah, they used to go like a school <sighs> trip, and every year I wouldn't go. Right. And they would be like, "Why aren't you coming?" Like, you know, and you have to make this excuse. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was that also that transition of trying to get your papers sorted out mm. and how stressful. Um, that was and actually my school because i was doing so well like my school then supported all our papers okay. and everything for that's me all... to then yeah cool. which really helped so so like my life has been a balance and at the same time i was going through not seeing my dad mm. growing up with my mom mm. and who like she's obviously i've spoken about her so much <laughs> at this podcast yeah. <laughs> um but we have like an amazing relationship me that's her dope. my sister like she really raised us to have really good values. So yeah. I'm someone who is very like valued. Like I really believe in principles. I yeah. really believe in values. And that's just actually always been like my upbringing. Mm. I understand like what it is to go through difficult and tough times mm-hmm. because I've had like a shared of that. Like there's so much people like if I, they will see you, see me now and yeah. have this stuff, they would just be like, really? Mm. Like, yeah. Mm. Like I've been through loads but i am someone i'm able to carry it i don't know right. if it's because i've carried mm-hmm. like throughout the years there's been yeah. obviously moving here that was difficult you go through the racism thing that was difficult you go yeah. through the payment splitting up and you're like 10 like i think in the whole 10 years i saw my dad like three times wow um so that was really really tough then you're yeah. going through school this whole transition with like immigration hmm. that's like really challenging so i'm not sure if it's been because like through a lot of the challenges and difficulties we go through, there's always the light at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Christian, 
So I believe that I pray, I have a really great relationship with God. Mm. I won't be someone who's at church every Sunday, mm. but I know when I get on my knees and yeah. I pray, I have answers and that gives me like healing yeah. that I need and I'm at peace. So, um, but all those things, like, I think that it, it's just made me like who I am as a person. Like I completely love myself. I believe hundred mm. percent in myself. It's right. not, um, not even like being boastful. I, I just think as a person, I'm, I'm just at a stage where I really know myself. Like yeah. I know who I can connect with who I know, like, I can just say hi and bye with, and you know, that's fine, right, and right. you can move on. Um, you just know who, like, I can I can just tell immediately, like, I'm going to get along with this person, or we're going to do great Amazing. stuff. Or you can just meet people like, okay, actually, we're not ever going to get along, mm. but you can always say hi. Um, yeah. So I think all these things have helped to define, like, me as a person. Um, yeah. And ultimately, for me, just to love myself, Mm. and to put myself first i've had like two horrible relationships before i got married so like so many like loads of different things that's happened but i think every single challenge Mm. has helped me because in every single one of them i was learning something new yeah Um, Yeah. and basically preparing so most people i say like that's always got difficult times like there's times like for even me now the business i'm yearning for something to happen right wanting it um, but now I completely understand that it takes a lot of preparation and patience. And there's things we actually want, mm-hmm. but we're not ready to hold those things yet. Mm. And we have to understand yeah. that unless you're actually prepared and you can hold on and manage it and, you know, you understand all of it, it's not going to ha- it's not going to happen. And you'd see... Yeah slowly there's certain things that just happen it's because you've obviously had that experience you can deal with it Mm -hmm. um and then there's other stuff which is just like you're just not there yet for it it's not like it's Mm. not going to come but as a person you might need to grow in a certain area right or i don't know overcome something or be much more so i've really just learned to be completely like um patient i'm quite alone now Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You enjoy your own space. I love my own space. Oh my goodness. I love my own space. Like I would go for to the cinema on my own, go yeah, to the I bar. Well. Yeah. Have a meal by myself. Yeah. Like I love my own company. Like I can sit in my house mm. and just chill. Right. Read and I'm I'm fine. I don't yeah. need to just be on the phone and, and and speak. Um so yeah, I think that's really... I'm like a really people's person. I love mm. people. Like, I, I, I'm someone I don't really like seeing people sad. Yeah. Like, my friends, I would always want to try and support as much as possible. Mm. Um, really hardworking. I'm quite adventurous. I like traveling. Right. I like discovering and meeting new people and learning new experiences. Mm. Um, I remember when I was small, I used to do, like... You know when you used to go to the fun fair, all the yeah. big roller coaster rides, <laughs> right. and I want, I've always wanted to do a bungee jump and all this <gasps> stuff. Yeah. Have you done skydiving? No, but the funniest thing, as I've grown up, mm. I'm now like scared of heights. There's some spaces okay. where I like, I completely freak out. But when right, I was okay. younger, I was just out for any kind of like adventure. Um, Love it. But yeah, like I'm up like family person like my family are really close 
Yeah. Um, so we spend loads of time together. Mm. Um, champ, you know, support each other. Like you heard me talking about my granddad. Yeah. Um, I truly believe in that, and I think it all literally comes down to people's values and mm. how principled you are about yourself and what's really core to you. Yeah. Like smiling through life as a business has its own values. I've got my own. Right. Um, right, right. So I'm obviously interlink. Mm-hmm. Um. But one thing I've also learned that I'm completely separate to the business. Hundred percent. The business yeah. is on its own. It has to be. Has its own entity, you know, doing its own life and mm-hmm. doing. And I'm also living my own life, and mm. enjoying it. So, yeah, I think that's me as a person that I've had it all, gone through <laughs> all the struggles, and 100%. I'm sure there's definitely more to come. Yeah. Um, but just through it all, like, just pray be hopeful like just be courageous and just try and push through yeah always be positive and mm. um yeah and just loving myself mm. trying to smile all yeah. the time and just be yeah. happy trying to get some of andre's energy listen i'm, I'm gonna be like putting them in bottles soon yeah, like, yeah, that'll yeah. be my new like, sharing it out with us i'm telling you i'll be selling them by on the street side like okay cool like five for a pound <laughs> like, exactly. it'll be crazy my new enterprise no i love it no it's, it's awesome what you're saying because i think there's there's a lot of people who aren't at that stage and um, there's a lot of people who kind of struggle with, with like, I love what you said about loving yourself. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that, for me, is like a foundation of everything. Mm. And it can be it could be aspect of nurture or nature. So it could be something that's integral in you that you've always had. But mm. I found with me, it's something that I developed through experiences. Yeah. Um, more and more, and even even me, even as you see myself, you you see all this light and everything. Even, even me, I still have a long way to go in terms yeah. of getting to the stage where I feel like I could be. But um, it's dope to hear you say that, like with all of that, the ups and the downs, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of times in this social media world, mm. it's all the polished finished products <laughs> that seen, and it's like you don't see like the struggles, yeah. you don't see like you know the the points when you're in those meetings where people are shouting at you and all that kind of stuff like you don't see that part Mm. yeah but it's that and um you need to let go i think i think a lot of the stuff um so um in december i went i done this course Mm -hmm. and one key thing they they were teaching us about was like this vicious cycle so it's really simple so in life something happens to you in life Mm -hmm. um People might have been raped, you know, something, mm. something difficult, definitely. But that's fact that the thing happened. Right. But we tend to go through a life where we create stories that right. relate okay. to what happened. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I was bullied mm-hmm. as a kid at school, I would create in my... So the bullying definitely happened. Yeah. But now I have created stories that, oh my God, I'm worthless. Mm. I'm not good. Mm-hmm. Um weak yeah 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 yeah. but that's not real right it's a story that's what you've Mm. you know you've put that in your head that's what you've created but Mm. you basically what happens is that you go through this cycle yeah of it so what you've created basically goes into your work life Mm -hmm. with your friends your different environment yeah and it teaches you to actually break the two apart yeah to The what you know the what happened mm-hmm. is the fact and it's obviously there mm-hmm. so that's always gonna be there mm-hmm. um it's a part of you yeah um the what 
the story now yeah. is for you to get rid of that. Yeah. Because sure. that's what's affecting a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and that does not actually, it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's all in your mind because it's not something you can touch. <laughs> the yeah, other stuff no, you can true. see, you can touch it, you know it's fact or yeah. you've experienced it, it's there and then, but all these um, stories. But I think a big thing is that that's helped me a lot, I would mm. say, is in times when I've had like difficulties, like I remember I had a really bad relationship mm. and I really remember for me to move on mm. was to really forgive yeah. and to let go and literally open my heart now. I have no issue with this wow. individual or person. Yeah. I was out last year. My friends were like, how can you be speaking to this person? Mm. I said how that's why I'm able to move on yeah because yeah. if I was still in that like bitterness that darkness mm. people's lives would still be going on and I would still be true and it's you know it's affecting me and it's yeah. hurting me so I think that's also been a key learning for me like if something happens obviously try and process it for us to speak like mm-hmm. to be able to find um I'm not someone who speaks a lot. Like I'm quite, I'm very private. But mm. I know within my family, I can speak to my mom. If not my mom, I've got one of my aunts. Right, who right. there's stuff I might not want my mom mm. that I can speak to her about. Yeah. Um, because we need to be letting stuff out. Um, 100%. With all this like mental health issue, it's because people are not talking. Mm. We're keeping everything. We're showing face when you actually don't need to when support systems are there and it's not yeah. i'm saying my family you might have a really good friend that you're able to talk about mm. but it's very very important for people to be able to release 100 and let let go even if you don't mm. like talking write yourself write it down rip it up after yeah just get it out of your system yeah yeah and see what's there yeah mm-hmm. um and that's what helps you to have much more like a clear like mind mm-hmm and kind of focus um, mm. and you know i've been through like so much stuff and it's just helped me so much for obviously it takes time mm. um like they say in times a healer to heal from a lot of it mm-hmm. but then there's times i don't even know what happens after a while i'm just like okay yeah <laughs> what am i like i'm not gonna be pitiful and mm. feel sorry for myself because it's actually much more worse for me mm. if I stay in that type of condition. It's a downward cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just going like. Wah. Wow. So yeah, that's very key. Letting go and to all the Christians, Muslim, everyone praying mm. Mm. Um, and just having a clean, you know, pure heart. Mm. Don't need to be friends with the whole wide world. Like when I was growing <laughs> up, I yeah. used to have so much friends, mm. but now I know who my friends are. Yeah. Yeah, life teaches you how to suss them out. (laughs) You've got acquaintances, that's great. There are people Mm -hmm. you can just chill and buy and whatever. But I've got like really cool friends now when I know like I need to speak to. And I know who I can speak to about about what. what. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other one. (laughs) Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting. And you, you know, I'm in my 30s, so... As you go along, still there's more stuff that's mm-hmm. gonna happen, more learning. Um, but yeah, love it. <laughs> the thing is, usually towards the end of the podcast, I would say, is there anything you want to say to the audience? But I feel like that section <laughs> was pretty much it. But like, as as we wind up, is there anything else that you want to share with people who are listening or anything like that? Anything that comes to mind? Um, I just 
I just think that in the world that we're in, people should really try to be themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's like yeah. really, really important. Um, there's just so much pressures pulling you here, pulling you there, different directions, different things happening. Mm. But ultimately, you are the one who knows yourself Mm. more than like anyone and can sit and talk to yourself. And sometimes I do this thing where I imagine myself like the nine-year-old Mayama coming Mm -hmm. to like London and talking to that Mayama or like my little nephews now or kids. But giving myself that self-reassurance and being just like, you know what? This is me. Yeah. Like 24-7, wake up in the morning, <laughs> in front of the mirror, it's me. Yeah. This is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this body, whatever, is just going to be with me for like ever. So if I don't love it and oh, value yeah. it and give it what it deserves, nobody else is going to be able to do that for me. Right. Um, right and right. it all needs to start with you. So to Amen. everyone, it's just like, just, yeah, be yourself. Um. I would say be the change you see. Mm-hmm. There's things you want to solve, um, you know, problems, go for it. Don't let anyone tell you no. Mm. Um, the world is definitely difficult. It's hard. You've got to push boundaries. But no shouldn't be in people's vocabulary. It's mm. something, it's possible. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Mm. Um, and yeah, experience, you know, enjoy every single pathway that we're all going through Absolutely. like i've had really difficult pathways um it's been quite narrow it's been you know very mm. difficult but there's always i truly believe like in light there's always a light it seems dark now whatever mm. places people might be some people might be in light some people might be in dark mm. but if you're in that darkness there's always light at the end of the tunnel that you can so, smile through that you can smile through. Ba-dum, dish. <laughs> Boss. <laughs> but thank you so much that was awesome that was man that was so a nice awesome. like wrapping yeah. up the whole thing but how can people because you're inspiring madame <laughs> so how can people follow your journey like whether it's you or smiling through light or any other projects you have going on yeah now i try and keep it focused so to follow me so smiling through light if someone wants to send us an email to find out more it's info at smilingthroughlight.org and we have our website which is www.smilingthroughlight.org we're on twitter and it's at smiling mk um instagram smiling through light facebook smiling through light so on all those channels people can just get in contact with me um and Mm. we really want people to support smiling through light um we do like some amazing work this year we're gonna run our one child one lamp campaign which is like our educational campaign yeah so i'll definitely speak to andrea about that to get some support um Mm. and any ideas that people might have we're like really open to learning so if you've heard anything and just thought, oh, they can do this or they can do that or they can improve in this way, please reach out um, and get in contact. And thank you for listening to me. Amen. <laughs> Wicked. Well, that sounds like a good place to round it up. Thank you so much for being oh. on here. It's been amazing. <laughs> it was an awesome conversation. I know that a lot of people are going to be able to take a lot from it. Yeah, I that think. was really, really nice. And I got to know you a little bit better as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But I've yeah. never had an interview like that, actually. Really? I'll be your first interview like yeah. this. Yeah. Because normally it's like smiling through like stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
yeah. there we spoke about like passionate stuff like several like, uh, oh, I could talk about it for in my head like I think most of the people who've come onto the show so far we could at least do like two or three other ones yeah. and I think this is true because I feel that even because we covered a lot of ground mm-hmm, <laughs> in, in, today and I feel like there's there's still areas where we could like scratch below the surface yeah. but we'll leave that for another day for now <laughs> maybe after um you know a couple more um times and i'm sure we're going to be working together at some point yes, we like do. me you useful changing the whole landscape exactly. like <laughs> i'm telling you it's gonna be amazing awesome but thank you all for listening and um as always every wednesday six o'clock in the morning there's going to be a new episode so you'll see you next time bye bye and that was it thank you so much for listening everyone i hope you enjoyed it and got some value from it um if you want more info you can go to www.becomeimmersive.co.uk that's www.becomeimmersive.co.uk if you have any questions or queries or you want to just give us a shout out go to um, becomeimmersive at gmail.com or info at becomeimmersive.co.uk i hope you enjoyed the podcast this is the lion learns to write reclaiming our narrative through identity empowerment and creativity so let's do that have an amazing day and see you next episode peace